Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. When going through a divorce, money can be an area where emotions run high and conflict gets intense. Many people struggle with fears about the future and how their lives will lay out financially as they move forward into the next phase. Because of this, couples can often become deadlocked in conflict for various lengths of time, unable to come to a resolution and possibly wasting money in the process. Our guest today, Ivy Manchel, is here to talk to us about the emotional aspect of money and how it is an essential component to understand when you are going through a divorce. Ivy says that when you know your own money personality and the money personality of your ex, the process of divorce can run more smoothly positively impacting negotiations. Ivy's here today to break down these five types of money personalities and discuss specifically how you can apply them to your own divorce negotiations. Ivy Manchel is a certified financial planner practitioner, certified business exit consultant, and a certified divorce financial analyst working with matrimonial attorneys, divorce mediators, and clients to address the financial issues of divorce and assess client options for fair and equitable settlements. She is the go-to advisor for many professionals, and she is here today with us. Thank you, Ivy, for being here. Thank you, Jennifer. So let's start by letting our audience know a little bit about who you are and the work that you do. So um, I've been in financial services for more years than I'd really like to count. (laughs) You know, marriage is about love and divorce is about money. And financial independence doesn't just happen. It's planned. So really, my mission is to bring financial independence and confidence to those going through life changing events, you know, such as divorce or, you know, transitioning out of their business or death of a loved one or retirement. But, you know, we're working with clients, we're helping them plan for their wealth as they embark on this new journey or chapter of their lives. And I've seen, you know, as you mentioned, I've seen how helpful and transformative it is for clients to know who they are from, from a monetary perspective. So really, Whenever I begin a relationship with a client, you know, one of the first things I do is to try and help them figure out what's important to them and what money means to them. It's really, it's really so powerful, you know, and even though, as I said, you know, I've been in financial services for more than 26 years, it really wasn't until I started doing divorce financial analysis that I realized how interrelated money and emotions are. Yeah, I love this because I feel like usually when we talk about finances and money, it's so dry. It's so, you know, just in your head and can be really frustrating. And if you're not a money person, really sort of um, make you feel like you just don't know anything, right? 
And so I I love what you said before about instilling confidence in your clients and the people that you work with as they're going through this process and doing that through emotion. Yeah. And it really, it really helps the process run more smoothly. Not that there won't be hiccups, you know, or issues that come up, but I think that it it really brings a stronger, more confident, you know, I'll use the word confidence to, to the table, to the negotiation table. Yeah. And, and it gives people another way to access, right? Like get out of your head. Let's, let's figure out what yes. you're feeling about this and let's access it that way. So that's, that's awesome. So exactly. how does money emotion form? So, you know, really money habits and beliefs begin really in childhood and, and they certainly continue to evolve throughout our lives, you know, based on our experiences, you know, it's certainly no surprise that children are shaped by their parents. So it makes sense that their financial relationships and behaviors, you know, of their parents also have an impression, you know, some parents maybe fought about money or, or maybe they used money to control others. You have parents that were generous or financially irresponsible you know, one parent may have paid the bills, the other may have managed the investments or, you know, or maybe one parent handled everything. So like your parents have contributed so immensely, but that's really just the starting point. Then there are also gender and media messages that we've, you know, we experience in our day-to-day lives as well as maybe even socioeconomic influences. I mean, your culture, your religion, you know, all of this plays a role, you know, so like even like the the Chinese culture, Mm -hmm. you know, they promote saving, you know, or Christianity, you know, advocates tithing or, you know, Islam views money as a means to a higher value, not for, for personal accumulation or, you know, personal goals in and of itself. So, mm-hmm. you know, really basically just everything in your upbringing um, and what you're exposed to has some impact on your monetary blueprint. You know, I mean, even like I look at my brother and, and, and me, you know, we're very close in age. So it's not like our parents' financial situation was any different for either one of us. And we handle money completely differently. Mm. Although you can see the root, you can see the root of some of our behaviors, where it came from. It's just expressed a little differently. Yeah. And I was thinking as you were speaking that you have all of this, right? You have the influence of your family, your culture, your gender, all of that. And really, it always comes down to you and what you do with that. Are you going to just repeat that pattern? Are you going to react to that pattern and, you know, right. commit to doing the opposite? But like you said, there's the root and it's it's where that comes from. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And what's interesting is I don't think we really ever stop to kind of assess all of that and reflect on all of that and just... Just be curious about why we are the way we are with money or, you know, how we save or how we spend and all and invest and all of that. Exactly. And that's really why, you know, so often clients come into my office and they just want to, you know, they throw down like all their financial information on the conference room. And I say, hold on, time out. Like, I'm not even looking at that. Like, let's start with what's important to you. What does money mean to you? And I think because 
many other financial professionals don't do that. And that's certainly not what they were expecting. You know, it takes them a second to really process what I've just said, instead of saying, okay, what's the value of your blank, you know? Yeah. You know, once you take a step back and and think about it, I mean, money and emotions comes into our life on a day-to-day basis, right? You know, Mm -hmm. emotions like part of every financial decision even, you know, but really the extent depends on like the nature of, of the transaction, the financial transaction. So you don't really think too much when you're buying a bottle of water, let's say, but certainly, you know, if you're buying a house or you're buying a car, there's a lot of emotion in that. Yeah. And divorcing clients, because we're talking about divorce, you know, divorcing clients are making what could be some of the largest financial decisions of their life, you know? So, I mean, it's no wonder that the divorce negotiations become so emotion filled Mm -hmm. and really, if you don't address it, it can absolutely impact the process. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge trigger really for a lot of emotions that are just going on anyway, especially in a divorce situation. So like you said, it, it absolutely makes sense. And you know, it's probably a whole other conversation, but this is probably a great conversation to have when you're getting married and really understanding your emotions around money and your your money personality. It is it is a topic for another you know another day. Yeah. But I agree with you. Like I'm so passionate about it. I've actually created a course with a money coach for couples because nobody nobody talks about it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. You you know, you think because you're in love with somebody, everything else is going to fall into place. But two people come to a relationship, come to a marriage with completely different backgrounds, different values. Money means different things to them. You have to you have to talk about it. And quite frankly, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that money and finances is a a big issue in most marriages and Mm -hmm. obviously becomes a big issue in, in the divorce, too. Absolutely. So let's start kind of breaking these down. So you talk about, you know, five types of money personalities. Okay, so there are there are five main money personalities. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of started studying this through a book by Olivia Mellon and Sherry Christie, a book called Money Harmony. So um, I want to give them credit, of course. But there are five main money personality types. And I'll go through them all. Um, There's the amasser, the avoider, the hoarder, the money monk, and the spender. And I mean, there are some other profiles, like such as a worrier or a binger. um, But let's focus like first on on the main profiles. Mm -hmm. So an amasser, like they are likely to be overly concerned with keeping large amounts of money, like to spend, to save, to invest. They're interested in, they gain satisfaction from accumulating and retaining money. And money measures like their achievements and their self-worth and accomplishment, right? Mm -hmm. Then an avoider, you know, an avoider really, they, they, you know, they're not interested. They find money boring and they're really prone to being overwhelmed or anxious and they feel incompetent when it comes to dealing with their financial life. So, 
you know, this causes them to avoid like paying bills or avoid investing or budgeting or, you know, really handling any of the finances and they become very financially dependent on somebody else. Yeah. And then, then there's the quarter. So they really enjoy saving and they are reluctant to spend. Um, they really, not even reluctant, they find it difficult to spend money, whether, it, you know, whether it's like for immediate pleasures or, you know, for luxury items and not only for themselves, but for their loved ones. Mm. They're really concerned about their future financial security, but yet, like they're so fearful that money will run out. Gotcha. Okay. And then there's a money monk who, you know, believes that like wanting money is greeting and like views it as, as selling out and like they're motivated to give even at the risk of their own financial security. And they view that accumulation of money can corrupt their values Mm -hmm. and that like money should be spent on social justice Right. Mm. And to sort of promote like meaningful causes. And then, you know, the last big one is a spender. And, you know, they really spend to bring immediate pleasure, well, immediate pleasure or love. And not only will they indulge themselves, they'll indulge, you know, others as well. And they're really looking to be to be admired or, you know, be valued in the world. Mm you know, like spending is more of a priority than, than saving, you know, in their own financial security. And, and so, you know, you look at these five personalities, right? These five main personalities and needless to say, most people don't marry somebody with the same money profile as themselves. Right. And it becomes the source of conflict. And as you're speaking, I'm just feeling into like, just the understanding, you know, just just simply understanding that somebody has a different belief or view or standpoint allows some compassion to to come in. It becomes less personal. You know, it's less oh, right. just doing right. this to me to be difficult as opposed to, wow, this is how they view things. This is who they are. So, right. yeah, it's this beautiful portal, I think, for compassion in a time when it's really difficult to feel compassion for the person sitting across the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that's it because, you know, because they each party sitting at their table at that table with their own money personality, feeling their own, you know, slew of emotions, whether it's anger or frustration or um, self-pity or there's so many emotions that they're feeling and it's hard to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, I know this is what it means to him or her. Right. Exactly. So let's take a a quick break here. And then when we come back, let's start talking about how to best negotiate within each of these. Okay. So we're going to take a short break and we will be back talking more with Ivy Menchel. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. 
Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. We are back with Ivy Menchel and we are discussing the five money personality types. And we're going to start talking about how to utilize this information and this knowledge about yourself and your partner when you are in the the negotiation process during your divorce. I think it doesn't necessarily matter what your money profile is. I think it's important to really say to any person as like you're preparing to negotiate to just say like, so what would it feel like or what does it look like if you blank, right? So this way you sort of, you get them to be a little bit more introspective instead of them like digging their heels in and just saying, I have to have this, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so like if a client's in a master, I, I think that I would probably say to them something like, you know, let's let's assume that our analysis shows that you could still live, you know, maintain a lifestyle, a comfortable lifestyle similar to what you what you want. What would it look like or what does it feel like if you, you know, either give your spouse a little bit more spousal support or, a little, you know, a little bit more of the assets or if you're on the other side of the table, what would it feel like if you took a little less Right. Mm -hmm. Take a step back. And and for me, you know, I just like I zip my mouth at that point and really have the person start to visualize it so that I think it kind of puts their defenses down a little bit and um, really starts. Okay, maybe I can live with a little bit less or maybe I can give a little bit more. Mm. Or, or maybe an avoider, like what would it look like if you began paying your bills on your own or investing on your own? And that would be a very scary thing for them. But like, I think it's important to, again, have that person visualize it and then break it down into, you know, small steps and maybe create a schedule for them so that they could have, you know, manageable steps and take some responsibility themselves. So I, I think it's important. And again, you know, I am trained in all three modes of divorce. So, but like going to the table with those boxing gloves on and attacking the other person is I think the least productive way to um, go through the divorce process. So if you can get them to start to think about how that would feel or how, how it, you know, what it would look like. And then, you know, maybe have them put on the, uh, depending on who the clients are and how the process has been going, maybe have them put on that hat for the other person as well. Mm. Yeah. And it sounds like that question, you know, because I bet a lot of our listeners may not be working with somebody or perhaps are trying to get through the process, you know, on their own. Right. And so this is a great way for them to be able to speak to one another as they try to navigate this themselves even. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, it it is, sometimes it can be challenging to do, but it really is so helpful. 
Yeah. You know, especially if they have children, it's, you know, let's not fight the fight because you will still be, um, your lives will still be intertwined going forward, no matter what. Yeah. And especially if there's children too, you know, like we said earlier, you know, we, we learn Mm -hmm. from our parents, right? So the more as parents, the more they can really get in tune with, you know, their money personality and, and their relationship with it, it, it'll benefit their children too, with having a healthier, you know, relationship around money in their own future. You, you are so, you are so right. And that's what you want to show your kids. Yeah. You know, I love how divorce as hard as it is. And I know it's so hard and it's, uh, it's a process to get through, but I love how when you really just sit and reflect there really are these little gifts along the way and these little opportunities to take the situation and cause some sort of beauty. You know, it's like maybe you never would have looked at your money personality. Maybe you never would have looked at the way you relate to money and your fears and insecurities. And now because of the divorce, you are and you get to make a change that could possibly affect your children. And, you know, it's just this beautiful little Mm -hmm. nugget. I love that, Jennifer. I think I'm going to have to quote you on that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you inspired it. <laughs> <laughs> so well said. And and that's so true. Yeah. So I was reading an article that you wrote uh, for the Law Journal, and you were talking about how the way that somebody deals with money is often a symbol of the way they deal with relationships. I was hoping you could talk to us about the concept and then about why it's so significant to understand it. Yeah. So we all forget words matter, right? Yeah. They absolutely matter. And, you know, people like craft all sorts of like all all sorts of money scripts. And, and, you know, and as I said before, like they become so much more exaggerated as you're going through through the divorce process. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to really listen, you know, to what somebody's saying, like really listen so that you can better help them feel safe, help them feel understood, you know, support them through the process. Like if you hear that, um, you know, some clients may say, and again, I deal with the money. So, you know, some clients um, say that they will never be able to buy, you know, buy the things that they want. They're probably feeling deprived and they're probably at this point feeling deprived of love right mm-hmm. right if somebody thinks that somebody's going to cheat them financially you know they're afraid of being abused or or manipulated stingy clients you know they're afraid of love and intimacy mm. or or like a client, like if they're feeling like broken and wounded inside you may hear them say something you know like they're broke Right. So like if you hear the words, you know, if a client's worried about running out of money, you know, they're really telling you that they're afraid of being left alone or abandoned Hmm. or like if they need to be financially rescued. Right. Realize that like they're really feeling very needy and alone and unloved. It's a good time to have compassion, right? Yeah. And to really try and help these people feel better as they're going through this process. And I think it's easier to really guide them and encourage someone. Like if you know what's going on inside, you know, inside their head for them and really try to figure out what, what they're feeling. 
right? Find ways to support them. That is so profound. I mean, I love the examples that you gave and just really because our words do not only create our reality, but they give life to what's going on in our internal world. And so I love that deep listening and really hearing what they're saying below the money, because the money is really just, you know, the sort of surface thing that we're talking about. But, right, you know, it's it's really this deeper truth that they're speaking to or this deeper fear or whatever's happening for them. And, and like all of this is is based on the emotion, like even even something like you know, financial security, right? Mm -hmm. Financial security is a feeling. Some people feel financially secure when they have, you know, very little cash available. And then some people have millions in the bank and they still don't feel financially Mm. secure, right? Yeah. It goes so, so much beyond like what you, you know, see or hear. Yeah, no, that makes that makes so much sense. And again, you know, if two people are trying to work through this on their own, I mean, this is just such valuable information for you and your partner as you try to navigate this and really listen to each other. Right. Yeah, so beautiful, so powerful. I I really am so passionate about this and, you know, getting in touch with money and the money conversations, as I mentioned before, you know, I developed this course um, with a money coach, Carrie Rattle, like to build stronger communication. Um, And even though your listeners are going through divorce, I mean, we're hopeful that they're going to start a new relationship. So know that for the next time, there is definitely help out there. And, you know, I really do believe that, like emotional financial awareness can really lead to an improved fiscal health as well as like a more rewarding, like satisfying connection with money Mm -hmm. and bring you that much closer to financial independence, which I think ultimately has a positive impact on the relationships that we have. And that's really what I wish for, for, you know, everyone. So um, and I guess also I'll, I'll throw out there if anybody would like to take the quiz to determine like what their money personality is. And I also created a a workbook called defining your wealth, like feel free, they can reach out to me and I can send them, you know, send them the information so that they can take it. Yeah, I think I'm going to reach out to you and take it because I I just (laughs) feel like the more we really understand ourselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, we stop blaming ourselves and judging ourselves and kind of beating ourselves up. And then we just yep. are able to see, you know, who we are, what we believe, what we've learned. And then it's like we can go from there. You know, then we can start taking steps to find our way. But we gets us out of that victimization, that, that victimized feeling. Exactly. Right. And and the emotions will drive the divorce process, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't find a way to have a positive view and change your money script you know, and look, it's, it, you know, nobody ever makes huge changes, but every little bit, you know, helps. It will certainly help them through the, the process as well. So, yeah, get rid of all those negative money scripts out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been so informative and I know our listeners are going to really value 
this information that you gave them and, and your time, um, how can they follow up with you after today and how can they access that quiz? Okay, so they can go on my website, www.familywealthpp, like two, like in Peter, two Ps, mm-hmm. familywealthpp.com, um, or they can call 212-244-4702. And, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, being such a great host and for giving me this opportunity to speak. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you, so email us at podcastatworthy.com with any questions or ideas that you may have. We look forward to hearing from you.